Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. If you will seriously sit down and ask yourself these four questions before you write your next sales script, before you make your next sales call, it'll work better. This is something that if you implement today, it's going to cost you almost no money and it's going to allow you to monetize a bunch of people that forgot that you existed. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. Hey guys, Molly Pittman here. Welcome to episode 96 of Perpetual Traffic. Today we have a very special guest. His name is Richard Lindner. He's the co-founder and president of Digital Marketer. And although Richard has never been on this podcast, which is an absolute travesty. I can't believe it myself. Richard Linder is our president and co-founder here at Digital Marketer, and he's really responsible for a lot of stuff behind the scenes that he actually doesn't get credit for. A lot of things like email campaigns, marketing promotions, most of what you see that comes out of Digital Marketer is really from the mind of Richard Linder. And today we're going to be talking about the four magic questions to get warm traffic to do whatever you want. Really happy to have you on, Rich. Thanks for coming. Really excited to be here. And I too am pretty upset that it's taken this many episodes to get here, but I'll say big fan, big fan of the podcast. Listen every week and just love what you're doing and super excited. Super excited to be on the podcast today. Did you say super excited? So super excited. We talk a 
lot about how to reach cold audiences. So how do you grow your brand? How do you reach people that have never heard of you before? But we don't talk a lot about what do you do after they become an email subscriber? What do you do after they become a part of your pixeled audience? Essentially, how do you speak to warm traffic? And it's really interesting because when you first run an ad to a cold audience, you first start talking to someone that you've never spoken to before, it's easy to start and facilitate that initial conversation. But it's really difficult to start up the second conversation. So how do you talk to them again? What do you say? How do you run that email promotion that gets these new leads to buy? What do you say in those ads to warm traffic to get them to convert to a low dollar buyer or to even buy one of your bigger products? Most marketing is interruptive, whether or not it's the first time they're being introduced to your brand or the first time that you're asking them to do something on behalf of you and your brand. So think about it for a minute, whether it's Facebook or, or email, it doesn't really matter. We're interrupting people in their everyday lives. People aren't sitting around going, man, that Facebook ad that I clicked on the other day was really great. I wonder if they're going to email me. Right? No one thinks that. I can't wait for yeah, them to email I'm so, me. <laughs> I, I, I just don't want to leave the house because they may email me while I'm gone. You've got mail. That isn't a thing anymore. In fact, we're getting more and more emails. And, and, and I'll tell you, one thing I want to make sure that everyone listening understands is this isn't about email. Right? This is about follow-up conversations because if you're doing email correctly, it's a conversation. And conversations can be had via email, via messenger, via actual conversations. You know, people still actually make sales like on the telephone. Hmm. Right. Really? I know it's a new invention. Yeah. The wow. telephone. Talking to people. You can talk to people. It's scary. It's very scary, but you can do it. So text message, messenger email, actual face-to-face -face selling, or on the phone. What I want to talk to you about are the four magic questions to get warm traffic to do whatever you want. It doesn't really matter how or where you're speaking to them. So uh, again, going back to it's interruptive when we're, when we're marketing to people. It's interruptive of day-to-day -day lives when we're asking people to do things. So how do you make sure that you're framing it in a them-first way and you're still showing benefit of you and your brand, your product, your service, and, and you're articulating the value that you add that gives you the right to interrupt them? And, and what we found in Digital Marketer and our other brands are, if you answer these four questions, you can clearly articulate why it is you're interrupting them and transition from interruption to transaction. And this is such a huge part of the success of your cold traffic campaigns. And I think we spend so much time of this podcast talking about acquisition of cold traffic. But it's just one part of the whole equation. Like this is an ecosystem unto itself. Like you acquire the cold traffic off Facebook through all the things that we instruct you guys every single week through the various episodes. But the point is, is that once you get them on your list, like you've made a big win by getting them to actually to opt in to what it is that you're putting in front of them. And then now it's your obligation to take them down this customer journey through email, through messenger, whatever it happens to be, whatever sort of warm up process that you have is so integral to the success of that ad spend. You've already spent the money to acquire them. And now it's about monetizing what you've already spent. 
And this is a great four-step formula that you should be asking uh, yourself and putting these things into practice each and every day and setting up campaigns so you can warm up that traffic even more to turn that just lead into a raving fan, a buyer, and somebody who's a long-term customer. The important part is not only are you answering these questions, but that all of your communication is the same message. So what I see so many times is that people have one message or goal from their messenger campaigns when they get new subscribers and another from their email. And then if they have a sales force, their sales force are outbound calling and they're all saying slightly different or asking slightly different things. And if you don't have congruency of message and consistency of ask, then you're confusing your potential customer from go and they can't trust you. And where we see this the most is is siloed businesses. So businesses that have grown really, really large and they've siloed the different organizational columns in their business. So it's, well, that's traffic, that's marketing, that's they own that. Well, no, that, that leads owned by sales. And what you see is each of these divisions, because they've become so siloed, are now saying different things to the same person and it's confusing. But I'll tell you, if you're asking yourself or asking whoever is crafting these messages, these four questions, you'll never have that problem again. Let's hop into the four questions. Let's do it. (laughs) What is question number one? So question number one is why now? So if you remember, we're interruptive. No matter what platform you're interrupting on, it is still interruptive. People aren't reaching out to you when you're distributing outbound communication. So the first question you have to answer for people that you're interrupting is basically, why are you interrupting them? Why now? Why should they focus their attention on you right now? And and a couple of examples. So if you're interrupting someone, the follow-up questions that you should ask is, is it new? Is it on sale? Is it limited or exclusive? Or is it timely? Are any of these things true? Now, let me point out that there are likely two answers to this question. There's your answer, and then there's the answer that you need to give to them, right? Now, both need to be factual and truthful, but if the why now is, well, I paid to acquire you as a lead, and by God, I need to offset the cost of this acquisition, that is a terrible explanation for any outbound communication. My boss is on my ass. Right. (laughs) That's not okay to say to your potential customers. Let's role play a little bit. Let's have a scenario here. If I'm selling a program that I have, whether it's a physical product or a program, and I want to send an email out, but I really don't have, or it's not new, it's not on sale, it's not limited or exclusive, and and there's nothing going on that makes it particularly timely, but I have customer stories, I have testimonials, I have positive feedback, I may say in an email or in an outbound conversation, it could be a sales call, it could be a one-to-one email, I might say, hey Molly, I was about to go to sleep last night and I thought about you, which one, I'll tell you, when you're writing these communications, any communication, sales scripts, no matter what it is, remember normal human interaction. Remember a little bit of psychology. Most people are only thought about by their their significant other, their parents, and their offspring, right? So when someone says, I was thinking about you right before I went to sleep last night, it's an attention 
reset. It's You grab someone's attention. You maintain or, or acquire a certain level of importance in that person's life, and you become endearing to them. So if I say, you know, I received an email last night from a customer telling me how they were skeptical at first, but they went ahead and bought the product and it did enter desired end result. And I thought about you because I know that you requested this free report. I know that we did a demo the other day. I know that you were in the store the other day. Whatever the case may be, bring it back to someone did something positive that made me think of you because one, again, thinking of someone else or being thought of is something that most people don't experience, but it's also a why. This happened, I thought of you because I know your desired end result. This person's already achieved it, so I wanted to share it with you. I know what I have will get you the same desired end result. Aren't you ready to start today? It doesn't have to be all that important. It doesn't have to be life-changing. It doesn't always have to be a major life event to answer the question, why now? Right? Mattress stores do this all the time. When was the last time it was St. Patrick's Day and you thought, it's St. Patrick's Day, but I don't have a new mattress? But I'll tell you, every single holiday, the 500 mattress stores within a three-block radius of your home have a sale. Yeah. Every single holiday. And that's the why now. It's the why now. They it doesn't have to be a logical explanation. It's better if it is. But if you just say, hey, it's Memorial Day, and that means the best deal on mattresses you're going to see all year, it doesn't make any freaking sense. But it answers the question, why now? And it's interesting because most cold, and I'm putting that in quotation marks, but most cold emails that you'll even receive from large organizations that you wouldn't expect from their sales department, just following up, right? right. Just following up. Well, following up isn't why now. No. You're following up. Hey, Guess just how much I care. You. Not much, right? So why now? I think about how this works in relationships. I saw a friend and that person reminded me of you. So therefore, I'm sending this text message. Hope we can follow up. It's the same human psychology that's into play. And those are the messages that mean the most to your friends and to customers. Those are the emails that immediately are responded back because they're highly personal and it's a why now. Well, and it makes someone feel special. So when we yeah. talk about hooks and reasons why people do things, one of them is an elevation in status. And not that this is necessarily an elevation in status in society, but it is in a one-on-one -on -one relationship, Absolutely. right? I made yeah. you feel special. That's an elevation of status in our relationship as friends. Therefore, let's chat. Think about this. The last time someone called you and said, I was thinking about you, it was probably one of your parents or distant relatives. Yeah. The last time you received a standing ovation or someone clapped for you, you were likely walking across the stage at your high school graduation. How do you evoke emotions out of people that are real human interactions? Hey, Ralph saw this the other day made me think of you. I know you said you wanted to do this. Here's a company that did. I don't know if this is going to be of any help to you, but check it out. Even if there's no commercial intent to that, I've now changed the dynamic of our relationship because he's sitting there going, wow, he was thinking of me. He remembered our conversation. He knew my desired end result. He saw something and he went out of his way to send it to me. Guys, that's not normal. Right. But it's also not difficult to engineer. 
And I'm not saying do it maliciously. Do it with valiant effort and good heart. Because you know you're helping that right. person. Do it yeah, because absolutely. your product or services is improving their lives. But know psychology. Know what stirs emotion and triggers people. So the number one question that you have to answer is why now? And Rich, with these messages that you're sending people, this doesn't have to be a one-on-one message. I mean, this could be in a follow-up sequence of an email campaign. This could be a broadcast, right? With Messenger, a big pain point for most people is, well, what do I say when I follow up? This is answering the question. It it doesn't have to be a one-on-one email that a salesperson is sending to one individual. This can be your company following up with thousands of people, but you're still making every individual person feel special. Such a great question because I'll tell you, if you're doing lead capture correctly, if you're building your email list correctly, then you're not using things like subscribe to our newsletter. Right, maybe that's on your site and cool. It's it's likely not working all that well, but it's there and that's great. You check the box, awesome. But you have specific lead magnets that will allow you to determine what they want. So you may not have spoken to them individually, but if someone downloads the Facebook ad templates or if someone downloads how to hit a golf ball 10 yards longer on your drive or someone downloads the how to lose 10 pounds by this weekend, uh, note you can't, um, it, it, whatever it is. <laughs> Sounds like you've tried. It's an FTC thing right there. Uh, <laughs> but you know what they want. You don't have to have a conversation with them. You can say, hey, Molly, I noticed that you downloaded the Facebook lead magnet the other day uh, and requested our best ad templates. I ran across this blog post that we published a couple of years ago that really explained how we scale our Facebook ads. It made me think of you. Also, we have this Facebook ad program, right? Hey, golfer, I noticed you downloaded the how to hit your drive 10 yards longer report. We have this program that is da 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 I know their desired end result. Like, Don't think that knowing the desired end result has to come from a one-on-one conversation. Knowing the desired end result, like you, you have to ascribe intent, not what their wildest dreams are, but what they care about right now based on the action that they took with your lead magnet. And if it's specific enough, you should be able to determine their desired after and speak to it. Absolutely. And and that kind of leads us to question two. Question number two, who cares? Who cares? Uh, too many times as, as marketers, as salespeople, we assume that people are going to connect the dots. We don't say things like, Molly, because you downloaded the Facebook ad template, I know you're looking to scale and, and launch profitable ad campaigns. We just assume that they're going to connect the dots that we know that we're the vehicle to take them to where they want to go. And Rich, I think a lot of that comes from being too close to things. It absolutely does. You and I talk about this a lot. Sometimes we'll catch ourselves missing the simple things that should be said in an email or an ad Mm -hmm. because we've connected those dots, right? We know where we're trying to move someone in the customer journey, so we forget to mention it. And luckily, we have checks and balances to say, oh, no, they might not know, right? Right. They They might might not not remember. Think about this for a second. Most of your prospects believe that you have done what you say you have done. 
They even believe that you've done it for other people. What they don't believe, and, and one of the big kind of points of belief that you have to overcome is not even that you can do it for them, but that they can have success with you, right? So if you're not calling them out specifically, if you miss this part, if you're not ultra clear on who you're speaking to, then they're not going to not move forward because they don't believe in you. They're going to not move forward because they don't believe in them. Right. And that's dangerous for them, but it's something that you have to acknowledge if you truly have something that will change people's lives. So think about it like this. Who cares? Who would be uh, affected the most positively or negatively by having or not having your product or service? So go back to the analogy of, of the Facebook ads. Hey, Molly, you downloaded our Facebook ad templates the other day. So I, I know that you're really interested in, in either starting on Facebook or scaling your Facebook ads, saw this thing, thought about you. You know, I know it's difficult for business owners and for marketing team members to really understand how to effectively run Facebook ads. So who cares in that case? Well, business owners and anyone on a marketing team charged with running that. It doesn't have to be like the old direct response sales copy to where it says, attention, people wanting to lose 10 pounds. Like we don't have to go there, right. but we do have to let them know this is the group that you belong to. And I'm speaking to that group. You are the ones that will be affected by this. If you don't, then people are left to say, is he talking to me? Is she talking to me? Will this work for me? But if you can find a way to, to realize what do they self-identify with and how can you call them out and say, yes, this is for VPs of marketing. Yes, this is for co-hosts of podcasts. Yes, this is for people driving traffic to grow their business. If you can figure out how they self-identify and you can call them out, then you will grab their attention and they will know that you're speaking to them. And a simple example of this is if you look at, uh, you know, some of our recent sales pages for these new workshops that we're launching, we have a whole section that says, who is this for? Right. With big green check marks. Who is this not for? With big red X's. You can absolutely use that strategy in your email and your sales page. It doesn't matter where it is. Tell people who this is for because they're trying to say, is this for me? If you can go ahead and overcome that possible doubt for them, way to go. Because that's the conversation that's already happening in their head. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And I think so many people, especially when they're marketing their business, like, who's your customer? Oh, it's everyone. Mm. No, it is not, no, not. everyone. It <laughs> no, is not. not everyone in that space, even in like the sub niches of sub niches. Yeah, we must target 30 million people because I might miss a person. I might miss somebody. No. Yeah, even if you sell mattresses, like our previous example, <laughs> yeah. your target market is not everyone. Yeah. Right. It is a very specific subset. And I think, you know, you niche down to scale up. I, I mean, I've always sort of thought Absolutely. that. And it's definitely, it's the case here. And you don't have to be, you don't have to bang them over the head with it, with an attention, like we do do this sometimes in our ad copy, attention coaches. But, you know, that works only to a certain degree. You can subtly mention it. You don't have to be hit over the head with it. Like you are in this group and there are other people like you and it's okay to have this frustration. We just so 
happen to potentially have a solution for it. And here's the next step. Yeah. I mean, going back to psychology, going back to the, the hierarchy of needs, right? We all need to belong. We all self-identify and need to self-identify, not with some lone wolf, no one else identifies with this, but we all need to find our group, our tribe. So what you said right there is so important. Like it's fine in, in your, in your copy, whether it's email copy or sales page copy or ad copy to say, attention, this But once you've aggregated that attention, when you're following up, you need to be subtly reminding them, not so just boisterously saying, you know, because I know you're a VP of marketing, because what if they're not right? Right. You need to, you need to think broad enough, but niched enough. So how do you pick a group that's broad enough that they self-identify with that you're not going to miss? Because what if you're not a VP of marketing? What if you're a director of marketing? If I'm so specific in saying attention VP of marketing that you know worries that their their marketing team is not trained enough to, to effectively grow and market your products or services, if you have that worry but you're not a VP of marketing, you're a director of marketing – you stopped listening right yeah. when I said attention VP of marketing. That's not me. This goes back to a conversation we actually had earlier today. Um, we were writing some emails for the new traffic workshop we're launching, and we were talking about ad targeting. And the email was written, and it's basically like, we're not going to teach you how to target based off of generic things like age, gender, income. Instead of targeting and thinking about your avatar in terms of her name is Betty and she's a white female and she is between this age range and she makes this amount of money. We were trying to teach people to target based off intent and based off of things that they like. So a way to in air quotes, get around this and to make sure you're not excluding people is to speak about what they care about, which is what this question is about. Who cares? Who cares? So I know you care about growing your business through Facebook ads. That's going to include anyone who cares about that, whether they're VP of marketing, director of marketing, whatever their title is. We're talking about what everyone wants, the end result, why they care, not necessarily what they're called. Digital marketer for the longest time tried to hire an email copywriter because honestly, for the longest time, it was me. And while email is a very high leveraged point, there are a lot of things that that I should be doing other than writing emails. And when I didn't do it, Molly did it. And there are definitely so many, like Molly is so much more important to the growth of this business than I am with customer acquisition. So she shouldn't be writing emails. And as we're going down the line on, on who should be writing emails, there are so many people that shouldn't be that it's not funny. So we tried and tried and tried to hire an email copywriter. And really, it should be easy. This is a like a job. This is not a thing that doesn't exist in normal business. This is a real profession, a real area of specialty. And everyone that we would interview or bring in had some bad habits or or didn't really see eye to eye with our methodology. And Molly said, something that that I'll tell you, and I hate to say this, at the time I did not agree with her, but I'll tell you she was so very right. She said, you know, I don't think we need to hire an email copywriter. I think that we can hire someone who is a social media manager who's used to taking control copy into taking things that have already been created and promoting them on social because really that's all email marketing is. And it kind of pissed me off at how smart that was because I didn't think of it. 
But luckily, I truly do love Molly Pittman. Damn it, so Pittman. if anyone was going to do it, it's great that it was her. But that was so smart, and she was so, so right. And when we brought someone in who was smart, who understood the distribution of created content, it doesn't matter if that content is a blog post or a, a squeeze page or a sales page or a demo request or a webinar signup. doesn't matter. When we gave them these four questions, they knew how to hit those hot points and distribute the content, and they were able to start writing emails because they were able to answer these four questions. So I'll tell you, having these in your business, it really just is the difference between being able to communicate your value to your prospect or not. That's it. On to question three. This is a biggie. Question three. Question three. What is it? Why should they care? So now we've said, why now? Who should care? But why should they care? So again, remembering, like, we can't expect people to connect the dots. We can't expect them to say, oh, okay. So right now, there is a flash sale on this thing that's going to help me achieve our desired end result. But why should they care? Right? What does their life look like before your product? And what does it look like after? If you can't clearly articulate that, if you forget to mention that in your communication, then you're screwed. All you're doing is talking about yourself at that point. All you're doing is, is touting how great your product, service, or brand is. And, and, and let me let you in on a little secret. No one gives a shit. They don't. I don't care who your brand is. No one cares if all you're doing is talking about how amazing your, your product, service, or brand is. Or worse, how amazing you are. And, and to kind of close a loop on something that I started a few minutes ago but didn't do a great job at finishing was with Katie, with the person that Molly hired, right? One of the things that we had to explain to her other than these four questions is that there's your prospect and there's your prospect's desired end result. And all you are selling is the vehicle. And if you're not the vehicle, like you can't be the hero. You cannot be the thing that fixes their problem. You're only the vehicle that allows them to achieve what they were destined to achieve. So if you're familiar with the hero's journey, you're the guide, never the hero. All right. If you're not familiar with the hero's journey, please, for the love of all that's holy, go look it up. If you're in marketing and you don't understand this, if you're in sales and you don't understand this, if you're in business and you don't understand this, heck, if you just like movies and you don't <laughs> understand this, you're welcome for ruining movies forever for you. But in the hero's journey, your product's role, your service's role, your brand's role is the guide, never the hero. You can't be. You're the vehicle that allows them to achieve their desired after. So why should they care? What does their life look like before your product or service and after? So going back to one of the examples that I just spouted off on, uh, VPs of marketing who's, who are worried that their marketing team can't effectively grow and market their business, you need to say something along the lines of, how amazing would it feel to know that your marketing team can effectively market your product or service to your ideal customer. They know exactly what to say to overcome even the biggest objection to get your product in the hands of the person who needs it the most. That's like less than a paragraph. 
But we just answered an entire question. Why should we care? Not only did we answer a question, we painted or transported them to a desired future. That's what they want. Right. Like, what does your person want? Is it 10 pounds? What does it feel? Because I'll tell you, like, let's go back to the weight loss or even the golf. Because one of the most important questions you can ask is why does your prospect want this? Why does your prospect want to lose 10 pounds? Is it usually health? No, it's vanity. Why does your prospect want to drive the golf ball 10 yards longer? Is it to improve their score? Hell no, it's to outdrive their friends. It's vanity. Like so many things boil down to vanity, to sex, to, to, mm -hmm. to these things. Like, but why should they care? So if you don't understand why they should care, you can't paint a narrative. But if I said, Ralph, can you imagine the next time you're on the golf course with your buddy and you step up on the first tee and you put the tee in the ground and you drive your golf ball out there and you know you know that your friend just died a little inside <laughs> as your golf ball sailed in the air over theirs lying in the middle of the fairway. That's painting a picture. That's why they should care. That's why That's they care. <laughs> what their life looks like afterwards. It's not they're consistent. They scored an average of 10 points less. They outdrove their friend. Imagine your neighbor's face when you walk in her party wearing that dress. Imagine how you'll feel when you step onto stage in that suit you haven't been able to wear in 10 years, the confidence that you'll have. This is their after. It's not 10 pounds. If you can't clearly articulate the after, you can't help them because you can't connect the dots. So why should they care? And please, please be specific on why they should care. At some point, it gets a little bit too deep but it's like it until it sort of feels weird i think you've gone like too far but to be able to articulate it in a way so that they can really like in, you know to get into like self-confidence and how you feel and overcoming like all these fears that you had when you were overweight and all these other sort of you know insecurities like that's a little bit too far so you have to go like yeah you're to, right you have to be careful you have to be careful there because some people say oh well you need the benefit behind the benefit behind the benefit no paint the future paint the never future. talk about the past well right. and also right. why they should care in a way that actually relates to them. So I see a lot of people that position why they should care in terms of features of the product or service that they're actually selling. That's not going to cut it, right? You should care because you'll love my product. No, that's not it. Why should they care in relation to their life? Really not just in follow-up or to warm audiences. This is why they should care is universal to any conversation you're having with your audience. It's any conversation you're having. Yeah. If I want my daughter to clean her room, then I have two choices. I'm either the parent that goes to threatening or I can answer these four questions, right? I can give her a benefit-driven reason that she should go clean her room. I can tell her why she should care. I can prove it, right? If you can think about how you answer these questions in just communication in, in every aspect of life, I'll tell you, it will get you better results across the board. Question number four. So what is question number four? Tell us question number four. The fourth magic question. Question number four. How can you prove it? 
right? Mm. How can you prove it? Because again, going back to people believe that you can do what you say you can do. People believe that you've done it for other people. People believe that you could even do it for someone that they know, but it's tough for them to believe that they can do it. So proof is a big deal. Even though they believe that, you need to leverage testimonials, customer stories, case studies, or news stories. So a lot of people, like one of the biggest questions that I hear from people when they're writing follow-up and they're wanting to leverage social proof or or when they're just wanting to leverage social proof at all in their sales architecture is, what if I don't have any testimonials or case studies yet? What if I don't have any customer stories? Like people love my product. I just haven't had anyone tell me and I haven't created a way to ask them to tell me. And I'll tell you the easiest way to do that is third-party credibility. Now, if you can go out and find a third-party reputable source that's saying the same thing that you're saying, that their story is in line with your story and your prospect heard you say it first and you can send them this third-party credibility, they will assume that this third party is validating you because they heard it from you first. So, I mean, even back to the mattress analogy, if you're doing some sort of promotion, you're really pushing for this mattress or this type of, you know, sleep or whatever, it, you're going to feel very rested. Right. And then you find an article that has some scientific study or even not just a new source that's validating what you just said. You're right. You're right. And that yep. person's eyes. Yeah. Because you didn't just say it, but someone else said it too. Someone else validated it. Absolutely. Even if they said it first. Yeah. But So again, like you have to prove what you say. We can't just yeah. walk out and say, you'll drive the ball a hundred yards further right. this weekend. Who should care? People uh, who play golf. Like, no, you can't do that and, and expect them to believe it. You have to tell them why now, who should care, why should they care, but how can you prove it? How can Absolutely. you back up your claim? And if you can't back up your claim, you're not answering a question in your customer's mind that's keeping them from making that buying decision. And if you do have case studies, that's very beneficial. We sent a, an email yesterday mm -hmm. in brackets, in caps, case study, how True Dog grew to 10 million and is headed to 20 million. What was the open rate on that? It was 38%. Right. Now I'll tell you, here's the really cool thing about that email, because it was a 38% open rate email. But, but here was the strategy that I'm most proud of, that I thought that was kind of the sneakiest strategy on that. So we'd been sending an email campaign for four days. All we did was take a case study that validated that we could prove what we were saying in those four days, and we sent it to everyone who opened the email but didn't take the action that we wanted them to take. Not only did it get a 38% open rate, but it tipped a huge number of people just right over the line they were interested, right? We had piqued their curiosity. We had effectively answered question one through three, but we hadn't done a fantastic job at answering the fourth question. So just sending this email, not to everybody, but only to the people who needed this fourth question to be answered before they could take our desired end result. 38% of the people who had opened these other four emails but hadn't done what we wanted them to do opened the email. And about another 5% of those people did what we wanted them to do. Yeah. I, I look at these as like, this is an email strategy that we're talking about here. But 
even in cold traffic, we try to simulate the email experience to cold traffic, especially if we're doing some kind of launch. And I always sort of think of the testimonial as like you are one yard or two yards from the goal line. And all these people need is just a little bit of a push, like right over the edge, like give me a reason to buy because they're thinking about it. You know, they're thinking about it. And the testimonial encapsulates questions one through three. Yeah, absolutely. And then proves it in question number four, like, can you prove it? Yes, you can. These are actual people that got that result. Here was their before state. Here is their after state. Here's who they are. Why should they care? You know, why now? All these other things. That is answered all in that like final little piece to the puzzle. And we just did a launch recently and we actually got like seven testimonials in video format. We put them in a carousel video ad and it was the one ad set that got like quadruple digit ROI in the entire campaign. It was because so many of these people had visited right there. They were right there. They were on the one yard line. All they needed was just a little push like right over. And the end result is, you know, they're, they're closer to that after state now because they ended up purchasing this product. Same thing here. And it's like, sometimes you don't realize how close you actually are. And it's something like this, that's hugely powerful. And one of the best tools that we use to get testimonials, if you don't have it, and if you have some kind of list is getbravo.com, bravo.com, getbravo.com. We'll put that in the show notes here. It's the greatest, easiest software to use to get video testimonials for people who have use your products. We just did it for another customer just this past week. It's tremendous. So these testimonials don't have to be professionally produced or anything else. It's likely better if they're not. If yeah, they're it's not. More relatable. Exactly. As long as you can hear what they're saying, that's the biggest thing. The audio has to be good. The consumer is jaded, right? The consumer yeah. assumes that they are being played, that you are leveraging deceptive and persuasive tactics to get them to buy. So when you have highly produced testimonials or case studies, their mind goes to it's fake. Totally. It's fake. And we all see it on TV too, like actor portrayal. Right. Uh, you know, right. it's like, you know, it's fake. You never had acne. You have perfect skin. <laughs> that's right. You like, always did. Come on. You're lying. That's right. And, and we all think about it. But I, I love what you said there about the carousel ad. Because what you just proved is like, screw email. Screw one-to-one. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you answer it or if it's an email or if it's if it's an ad or if it's a phone call or a text message, just answering these questions in whatever or best case scenario all. Like what if you ran an ad, a carousel ad to the same person that you were sending a case study email to, to the same person that your salesperson was calling and saying, Ralph, I know that when we talked the other day, you had this objection. It made me think about this one customer that also had the same objection that overcame it and they were so successful, they agreed to sit down and do this case study for us and I'd like to send that to you. Like what if you hit them in all fronts yeah. with the same message? Absolutely, because you never know which one they're going to, maybe they might get all, you know, three or four. Yeah. Maybe they're busy. Maybe they are busy. Maybe, right. you know, your email went into spam or whatever it happens to be. But the point is, yeah, I mean, it's it's the thing. It's You have to, you know, give it to them in multi, multiple formats 
I'll tell you, if you will seriously sit down and ask yourself these four questions before you write your next sales script, before you make your next sales call, before you write your next broadcast or email follow-up campaign, or write your next ad, or, or automate your next messenger campaign, it'll work better. It really will. And not only will it work better, you'll be asking your customer or potential customer to trust you less. Because when you answer three out of four questions or two out of four questions, you'll still make sales. You're just asking your customer to trust you for the other questions that they're already asking that you're not answering. So if you go ahead and answer them, you're asking less of them sight unseen. So that's it. That's the four questions. They may seem very, very simple, but I hope you don't underestimate the power that they can bring to any media that you're using to ask your prospect to do something. Very powerful. Thank you, Rich. And these are the four questions that we ask ourselves for every email broadcast that we write every retargeting ad that we create? How can we help overcome these objections? Because that's what this is. Why not go ahead and position your product or service and sell it in a way that they don't really have to have objections. Mm. They just want to buy. Right. So uh, very powerful. Thank you so much. This is awesome stuff. Thank you guys. This was a, a ton of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Any last thoughts, gentlemen? Two last things. Thing number one, only reference the previous positive action. If you're talking to a prospect and they don't do something, never acknowledge that, right? I'm only sending you this email because you didn't do this. I'm only calling you because you didn't do this. Never do that. jerk. Right. How dare you? You're creating an awkward experience. Think about how many people, like my wife, my wife can't watch the voice or uh, when American Idol was on, she couldn't watch the auditions because she was embarrassed for people. That's not unnormal, right? We get embarrassed on behalf of other people and we change the channel in TV. So what makes you think if you're creating an awkward or embarrassing moment that people won't archive or delete your message or hang up the phone or not look at that? So one, like only only reference the previous positive action. Yes, don't make them feel awkward. Yeah, don't make anybody feel awkward. That's creepy and weird, and they won't do what you want to give them an out. Like one of our best converting ads, and Molly came up with this. It was amazing. Did life get in the way? Yeah. Why does that work? Because if the first step to buying their product is admitting they were wrong when they didn't buy it the first time, you lose. Psychologically, We want to protect ourselves from all kinds of things, including making poor decisions. So we don't want to admit that we are wrong. It's human nature. So if you can't give your prospect an out, if you can't change the scenario, if you made them an offer and they didn't buy the first time, if you haven't sweetened the deal or given them a discount or added something additional or changed the the reasoning change the uh, logic statement that they had to make the decision step one in buying your product is admitting that they were wrong when they didn't the first time so only only reference the previous positive action and two always give them an out did life get in the way this probably went to your spam box hey i'm sorry i didn't follow up even when you did like give your customer give your prospect an out to say yes when they've already said no. 
Yeah, that's huge. That's great. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Rich. Maybe we will have you before episode 200. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I'll come in yes. at episode uh, 194. <laughs> 92. Well, yeah, you're scheduled right now for one. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll put it on your calendar in two years. Perfect. Perfect. Can't wait. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please check out the show notes at digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast for any resources mentioned in this episode. Thanks again to Richard Lindner for coming on today. And we, we look forward to talking to you guys next week. Thanks. See ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Grant, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. John Moran here. Q1 is closing and it probably didn't go as well as you'd hoped. I'm sure your agency is telling you that they crushed it, but in reality, it probably crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you, or if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what, go to tier11.com forward slash apply. That's tier11.com forward slash apply. And we'll get set up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make agencies look good.